You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Hi folks and welcome to Let's Talk Apple episode number 36, the show for August 2016. I'm your host Bart Bouchot and joining me I have a fabulous, if somewhat 100% British panel. Um, maybe it has something to do with it having just been Labor Day weekend and all of my American friends are all, I don't know, what you do for Labor Day. I guess it involves some sort of celebration. Anyway, uh, let me see, what order will we go in? Gaz, hello and welcome. I believe you've been having a nice holiday. Uh, yes, actually, in the last month, I've probably had two, so I should I, best keep that quiet, really, haven't I? But, right, yeah. I've seen you yeah. tweeting very beautiful pictures of very spectacular bits of British coastline. Yes, that's the Southwest Coastal Path, which I've been doing for the last several years now, and we are at uh, Loo in Cornwall. So we've Ooh. started in Minehead on the north coast, walked all the way down to, the, to Land's End, round to the Lizard, um, and now we're in Loo. So we're just about to get out of Cornwall, back into Devon. Uh, and on the home straight, only probably another uh, three weeks worth of walking left, I'd say. Wow, cool! To me now, the Loo is 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 a, is a railway country. You're you're into the Loo branch, which is spectacular. Oh yes, oh yeah, that is a lovely little uh, branch line. That is to 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 travel down. Absolutely. Yeah, and even the line it connects with is amazing. Like the, the, the oh, yes. all the railways yeah. in Cornwall yeah. are spectacular. Like we have actually up. gone. We have actually gone from Birmingham, Birmingham all the way down to Penzance, and uh, oh. certainly from from Exeter. Well, actually, from further up from Bristol, probably the countryside going down there was beautiful. Yes, actually, yeah. Well, basically, wherever you meet Brunel's railways, you're you're flying. Anyway, this is not this week in railways. As much as I would love to do that kind of show, um, <laughs> we are also joined by Nick Riley. Hi, Nick. Hi, Bart. Good to be back again. Always a pleasure to have you, Nick. I've been on holiday too. Have you? Did you do anything as spectacular as coastal paths? Uh, uh, no, I went on a narrowboat instead. Oh, no, that's my... See, <laughs> two things I love, right? Canals and railways. So. Oh, there you <laughs> go. Staffs on Worcester Canal. Uh, that is not one I am familiar with. But it, it, so, it, it, like, Is it much wider than the narrowboat or was it careful steering? Uh, no, no, it's it's a it's a narrow canal, you know, a, a standard canal. So for the narrow boat, cool. Yes, excellent. That's that's. I'd love to do that, although I need to convince my darling beloved not to get seasick. So <laughs> I keep saying I'd love to go on holidays in a canal boat, and I keep being reminded that that is not a good idea. So <laughs> someday, anyway. Uh, finally, we have a newbie for the Mac podcast, although listeners to the photography podcast will have heard her before. Elaine Giles, welcome to Let's Talk Apple. Good evening. Much as I would love to complete the trio and say I have been on holiday, I have spent the afternoon in the dentist. <laughs> oh, oh, no. <laughs> so you don't want to go there, do you, Bart? No, no, I do not, actually. That, is, that just reminded me I'm due a checkup soon. Yeah, I have that pleasure to come on Thursday. Hmm. Yeah. But is it just a checkup? No, it's an extraction. Oh, oh. oh no! <laughs> well, yeah, been there, done that. Don't want a t-shirt. Anyway, we <laughs> we have Apple news to talk about. To be honest, not really all that much Apple news because it's the August show, and the August show is always kind of a bit stretchy, uh, which is why I'm perfectly happy to talk about holidays instead of getting straight in. Um, the only notable number that crossed my radar this month was uh, one which. Tim Cook was kind enough to give us. Apple have now paid out to developers of apps in the App Store a whopping total of $50 billion. Which is a lot. Mm, I wonder, I'd, I'd like to, yeah, it's, it's like all these figures you get from Apple. You always like to see it just a little bit more, wouldn't you? Like, I'd like to see how many uh, mm. developers they've to um, but that's still a big number well we're assuming it's a big number if it's 50 billion uh, apple developers <laughs> it's not a lot is it but i don't think it's quite <laughs> well no i mean 50 billion dollars is always a lot that is the economy of a small well, country not, not if there's 50 billion <laughs> there's 50 billion developers that's like a okay. dollar well, each the but... <laughs> planet doesn't have 50 billion i know people. I, I know i know it was a joke but and joke. i don't have an app so someone has my dollar <laughs> 
but no, it, it's what I would like to know. Actually, speaking of not telling us a lot, I would like to know what the ratio is between ad revenue and mm. in-app sales revenue and plain old buying the app revenue. And I'd like you to see couldn't that. get all of that in 140 characters. Fair point, because yes, this did come from Tim Cook's Twitter account. She, uh, you know, again, new Apple under Tim. It's Apple tweeting. It's, it's a new thing. Uh, but the other thing, of course, is I wonder how those numbers have changed over the years, because I definitely think that there seems to be a thing that apps that are just pay up front and then you're done are not viable. Vesper just went belly up for basically that reason. So I don't know how I feel about that, because I am on record and I agree with the fact that I detest ads. Yeah, you see, some in-app purchase apps are absolutely spot on in the way that they deliver that in-app mm. purchase. But the vast majority just make you want to crawl under the table and scream and shout, don't they? So, Yeah, I guess there's two ways of doing it. Either they make you do it by being so brilliant you're just happy to give them money, or they make yep. you doing it by annoying you so much you will make the bloody ad go away. <laughs> I'm well, not it... a huge fan of in-app purchases, I must admit. But if an app is good enough, then I'll pay, and I'll pay fairly quickly too. Uh, yeah. What I'm thinking of recently is a timer app, um, a kitchen timer thing. I mean, it'll do more than kitchen stuff. And it does multiple timers at the same time. So I downloaded it. It was free. There was an in-app purchase. The in-app purchase gave you very little extra, but it did take away the ads. And I think it was about £2.29. Once I tried it, it did exactly what I wanted. I just paid instantly. To, yep. to me, it's like having a trial and then yes. I'll buy it. So there was no continuing subscription, but I wouldn't even think twice. Well, I'll, I'll give you another instant, Bart, and that's mm-hmm. Tunnel Bear. They've okay. got an in-app purchase to subscribe. Now, basically, you just do a quick in-app purchase to subscribe for the month that you need because I don't mm-hmm. need the full Tunnel Bear experience all, all the, the time. time. Yeah. But when, I, but when I'm away on holiday, I generally just buy a month's worth for my iOS de- uh, devices. Makes sense. So I go in and uh, use the in-app purchase uh, procedure there. Now, you do have to go in and actually unsubscribe in this particular instance. But, you know, there are certain apps which use the in-app purchase really well. And uh, there's just far too many that don't, I think. And that's the problem. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if it's, as I say, it's... It... If the app makes me smile and they have an in, a reasonably priced in-app purchase, I'll generally give it to them because yeah. I, I want them to do well. I, I want the app to keep going. I want the app to keep getting updates. I want the developer to keep being able to feed his family or her family. So anyway, that's a, a slight diversion. But as I say, there's not a huge amount of news. And the one story we do have is one I'm not looking forward to. So maybe I'm dawdling a little. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I wonder why. Oy vey. Yes, I think we I think I think we're gonna sit back and enjoy. <laughs> Bart's going to explain it all to everyone. I'll try. Absolutely. I'll try. Um it's it's not straightforward. Anyway, let's let's speaking of explaining, let's let's do the legal latest before we go to matters European. Um a lot of stuff happening in the courts relating to Apple. So a US federal judge has voided Vernet X's six hundred and twenty six point six million dollar verdict against Apple. Um, basically, they had taken two different pain cases. They had been mushed into one, and the judge said it had been done so in a highly confusing way, which misled the jury, uh, and therefore the whole thing has been declared a mistrial, and they need a do-over. Now, initially I thought, oh my goodness, finally one of these patent trolley types have been told where to go, but this isn't one of those things. It's just a technicality, and I guess we get to do it all over again, so we can talk about it again. And it looks like they've got to be tried separately, so you can get to do it all over again twice. Yes, starting in September. I think it was the 26th of September, if memory serves, the first one of them goes to trial, so yay. Um, Apple have Predicting settled... a tweet from Tim Cook telling us how much he's paid to lawyers shortly. <laughs> that fit in 140 characters, all those zeros? <laughs> I doubt it, but I think it'll be more than 50 billion. But certainly over Apple's lifetime, yeah. Jeez. Well, they have their yeah. own legal department, I guess, so they can do it as salaries instead of massive expenses. Yeah, At some that, point, that it means, becomes cheaper to buy means, your own lawyer. That means there's a tax offset. Oh, no, I'm hitting another story. Let's <laughs> <laughs> I find okay. it quite amusing uh, that um, they're, they're saying that they're going to split it up to make it less confusing. Um, because it seems to me that all legal stuff is confusing. So, <laughs> yeah, 
Indeed. Well, I guess it's each of the jurors is only have to get half as confused. Because <laughs> there'll be two juries. <laughs> yes. Um, a case has been settled, which means it's not coming back, uh, between Apple and a company called OpenTV. Now, this case was actually in Germany, and it was a sort of a slight cloud hanging over Apple's media stuff in Europe. Uh, it has now gone away. Uh, basically, we don't really know the full details because it was an out-of-court settlement. However, uh, Open TV have said that there was a comprehensive patent license agreement as part of the agreement. So I guess they swapped patents or something. Uh, a case has dragged on for ages and has made me cranky because I don't think educational institutions should be out there suing people. Is the uh, Caltech versus Apple case and Broadcom because basically... Caltech say that Broadcom's chips breached their patents and because Apple used Broadcom chips, Apple are in the firing line too. So it's not that Apple directly is accused of breaching a patent. They're they're accused of using hardware that does breach a patent. This is all to do with the wireless N. Uh, Apple and Broadcom have countersued Caltech. Um, Basically, they want the infringing patents invalidated and they also say that they were simply too late to actually file their case anyway so that the, the they shouldn't even get any money even if they are valid. So we shall see how that pans out. Uh, Apple have also settled out of court with a company called Dot23 Technologies over claims that Siri infringes their patents. All we know is the case has gone away. Um, And designers, as in people what to design, have filed an amicus brief with the U.S. Supreme Court in support of Apple in the never-ending, absolutely will never cease to be Samsung case that has been going on as long as I have been podcasting. (laughs) And finally, a judge has thrown out a case that Monster brought against uh, Beats, claiming that Monster had been somehow done out because they got out of Beats just in time for Apple to come in and buy them. And the judge basically went, yeah, that was just a poor business decision. That was not any sort of legal case. Good day. Um, And really to rub salt in the wound, the case is continuing, but it now has only one function. To decide whether or not Monster have to pay Apple's legal fees. Or sorry, Beats' legal fees. That is, the the best thing Monster can hope for is that nothing happens. (laughs) So anyway. And that is the legal news. Right, okay. Main stories. There really only is one really big main story. There's two little things to talk about afterwards. But really, the big, 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 big story of the month is that the European Competition Commissioner has ruled that Apple got unfair state aid from the Irish government in the form of, quote-unquote, a sweetheart tax deal. The Commissioner says that Apple should pay 14.5 billion euro in back taxes, or was it 13 billion euro, 14.5 billion dollars? I got very confused. And one of the more inflammatory things the Commission have said is that Apple is paying an effective tax rate of just 0.005%, which sounds pretty darn awful. Uh, Ireland and Apple are to appeal the ruling, almost certainly. Um, The Irish government had said before the ruling that they would appeal if it happened, then it did happen, and the Minister for Finance said he wanted to appeal and he was going to ask the Cabinet for permission. The Cabinet said they want to appeal, but they're going to ask the Parliament for permission. And everyone expects the Parliament to say yes, but that hasn't technically happened yet, so anyway. Uh, there was also a moment when it looked like the Irish government might collapse over this, because the Ireland currently has a minority government, which means it's very wobbly and could collapse over anything. Um, you know, poor choice of lunch in the canteen, maybe the end of the Irish government someday. Uh, But it looks like they'll probably weather the storm here and probably will appeal the ruling. In America, the Treasury Department have no no doubts whatsoever about how they feel about this, and they are completely on Apple on Ireland's side in this. Apple have no doubt whatsoever how they feel. Uh, They released a public letter explaining it from their point of view, and Tim Cook gave a number of interviews where, as Tim Cook goes, he was pretty forthright. He called it political crap which is the kind of thing I'd say not the kind of thing Tim Cook usually says Uh, and he said that the commission just picked a number from I don't know where I have a suggestion for Tim as to where they may have picked it from Um, and then Apple actually paid 400 million dollars in tax in 2014 making it the largest taxpayer in Ireland Tim also disputes the commission's number about this whole 0.005% tax, saying that Apple pays a global tax rate of 26.1%. 
and that one in every 14 euro paid in corporate tax in Ireland was paid by Apple. Uh, also, Tim Cook says that Apple plans to repatriate billions of dollars from Ireland to the US, which it will then pay tax on. Um, I want to draw attention to two links in the show notes. There's a good FAQ from Bloomberg and there is a good description of the bigger picture within which all this is occurring from Vox.com. And the bigger picture is, I guess, where we now need to go have a little visit. So if you'll bear with me, I'm going to do my best to explain what's going on here. Uh, I am open to questions and corrections as I try. So... According to the Charter of the European Union, tax policy is something which is not devolved to the EU. It's something that remains with the sovereignty of the nation itself. So Ireland gets to have its tax policy and France gets to have its tax policy and Germany gets to have its tax policy and the UK definitely gets to have their tax policy since they're starting off. Um, But so there is no European commissioner for taxes because taxes are not a European thing. And the French really, 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 really don't like the fact that Ireland gets to set its own tax policy. And the Germans don't either, for that matter. Uh, But no one can get uh, the treaties of Europe amended to make taxation something centralised. And in fact, when Ireland last voted for the second time to accept the Lisbon Treaty, one of the things we needed before we would say yes was an assurance that we could continue to run our own tax affairs. Something the European Commission or the European Union do have authority over is antitrust law. So while this sounds like a story about tax, the commissioner is attacking this in an antitrust way. The commissioner is trying to use antitrust law against Ireland to bypass the fact that the European Union can't get their way on taxation. So they're basically pitting antitrust law against the treaties of Europe. And, of course, the commissioner feels that she's right and that Apple is wrong and, you know, saw the treaties. Um, So that's really what's going on here. It's an attempt to get Ireland to change their tax law by the back door. So Apple didn't actually in any way violate Irish tax law and the Irish tax commissioners are on record and they have said Apple have not in any way violated Irish tax law. They have paid every penny they have earned. Therefore, we do not believe we should collect anything. So there's no tax rate that is that Apple are not paying and therefore you can calculate what they owe because they they have paid everything they owe. So the commissioner has invented a rate that she thinks Ireland should have had and then applied it to Apple retroactively and said they should pay that up now. So that has, wait a second, how can you retroactively change Irish law? And wait a second, why do you get to set Irish tax policy, Mrs. Commissioner? So there's all that going on. Um... Then there's also this whole notion of well, what is actually what, what is going on with corporations putting money into Ireland? Because w- what's the scow with that, I guess? So Ireland has a tax rate of about 12% for corporate income tax, which is pretty good on the worldwide scale. And Ireland also have an arrangement where if you have, if you're an American, basically, American tax law says that American multinationals owe American tax on all of their foreign money, but they get a credit against the American tax they owe for any tax they've paid elsewhere. So what American multinationals do is they put a European headquarters in Ireland and then they do a bit of jiggery-pokery so that all of their profits come to the Irish branch, not to the French branch, the German branch, etc. And then they pay corporate income tax on the stuff that they actually make in Ireland at the Irish rate of 12 point whatever percent. And all the rest goes into a special account for future repatriation to the US, at which point they have to pay the US's 30% tax rate on it. However, because the US want to encourage investment, you're allowed to defer the money indefinitely, and you may invest with it, but only invest with it in certain things. Or you can choose then to bring it back to America, and at that point the money is taxed. So this is not money that's not taxed, this is money that's not taxed yet. Now, everyone is hoping that America will do a tax holiday where they will either give, probably not zero, they will give some sort of low tax to American multinationals. And then all this money that's in Ireland will just whoosh over to America. They'll all pay whatever, you know, maybe 20% or whatever the Congress decides is, is a reasonable tax holiday. 
And so all this money that's sitting there, quote-unquote, untaxed, is actually due to be taxed. Apple can't use that money until they pay tax on it. But they don't want to pay tax yet because they keep expecting the US tax rate to come down. And this is why Apple and all these other companies have money stashed away in Europe, because they're just waiting for the tax rate to get better, and then they'll pay the tax they owe on it. So, so all that, any of that makes sense. I'm worn out. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, just yeah. Anyway, so th- that is where we stand with it. That is that is th- that is my best understanding, and I have done an awful, awful lot of reading in the last week. Okay, uh, you've you've hit on. I think you're pretty well. I think you've done a pretty comprehensive job there, uh, Bart. I'd like to make some comments if I can. Yes, please. Um, from the sidelines, uh, I've heard that there is also a little bit of wrangling going on here between the European Union and uh, America when it comes to trade agreements. Uh, So some people in America think that this is a little bit of a backhanded go at American companies. Mm. Uh, So that could then have retribution from uh, American um, uh, tax laws on some European uh, Union companies' uh, Yeah, I mean, there there are mirror image companies, right? Yeah, absolutely. So it works in in two different uh, two directions. Um, so there are there are rumblings that that's going on as well. So this is not just about Apple and Ireland. It's also about American businesses uh, and Europe and uh, reciprocal or non reciprocal tax uh, um, setups. I was extremely surprised that Tim's jumped into this. Um, it's oh. definitely in the way that he has. Um, I think you, I think you said you were quite surprised at some of the language that he's used sure, as well. Yeah. Now he's, he's, he's obviously wanting to get the best for, uh, his company. Um, and perhaps he felt that Ireland's, uh, political leaders needed a little bit of a, uh, a support in coming out. Right. <laughs> Given how and, I've described the weakness of our government, a little bit of support is being generous. Yeah. Yes, but I'm still surprised in, in some of the things he said. And and equally, when they start rattling off numbers like, oh, we paid 400 million tax in 2014, making it the largest taxpayer in Ireland. Yes, but tax is low in Ireland. So, you know, let's be a little bit cautious here when we start to throw those numbers out. But I understand where he's coming from. Uh, and also the, the one in every 14 euro paid in corporate tax in Ireland was paid by Apple in 2014. Again, yes, that's because tax over there is rather lower. And, you know, you're rather a big company pushing all of your profits through one company. So let's just be a little bit cautious on being the high and mighty here, Apple. That's that's the only thing I'd say well, there, The, the impression I get, though, just on why he's so strong, is I think Tim is genuinely hurt that someone would imply that Apple broke the law. I think um, he actually takes it personally because he's always said in front of Congress as well that Apple pay every cent the road. If you think Apple is being is paying too little, change the law. Right. So what you're thinking is that um, he's basically just reacting uh, to the European uh, government. Um, yeah. Well, it's not really a government, is it? Um, the Commission. Uh, yeah, the Commission. The, yeah. Uh, in the same manner that he has done to uh, the American. Um, yeah, when he was pulled up in front of Congress and someone tried to have a go on him with the morals, he went, look, we pay every cent we're, we're due. If you think that's immoral, you're the lawmakers. Make the law. Yes. Yeah. OK, so basically they're bending the rules of the law to the absolute limits to make sure that they're obviously making as much profit as they can. Which one could argue is their fiduciary duty under the American yeah. system? Yeah, yeah, under the American system. And I, I certainly um, see an awful lot of almost open-mouthed astoundment from most Americans at this as to you know, how the European Commission uh, can can do or can possibly do these sorts of things. And it, it does make me smile a little bit. <laughs> the the, the naivety. <laughs> um, this is pretty I, bad, though, because there's one thing I left out on my quick summary that I've just remembered I'd meant to say. Um, so this is supposed to be about state aid, but in Ireland, the revenue commissioners are a semi-judicial body. The minister for finance, the government, the entire government are explicitly pro- prohibited from getting involved in rulings on tax. They set the law, the revenue commissioners carry it out. So it actually, the way it actually works is if a company is not sure about something, they have the right to ask the revenue commissioners for a judgment before 
they file their taxes. So rather than saying, we'll try this trick that our accountants came up with and then we'll go to court afterwards, you can actually go to court up front and or not court, but basically go to the Revenue Commission up front and say, and dear Revenue Commissioners, we're thinking of doing this. Is this legal in Ireland? Yeah. Which is what Apple did. And the Revenue Commissioners went, yes, that's fine. But that's not the government. That's the Revenue Commissioners. That's like going to a court. So the fact that this is being put under state aid makes my head explode. It's like, no, if, if the actual government got involved in this, they would be breaking the law. Which kind, which kind of, you know, kind of reiterates the bit that the European Commission is is almost trying to have a go at American companies. It's kind of, mm. you know, reiterating some of those um, comments that have come from uh, from people in the US or certain businesses and polit- uh, politicians in the US. And it Starbucks. makes me wonder whether we'd be hearing about this if instead of it being Ireland, it was Germany. <laughs> that, that's just because, weird you know, on so you, many you levels. Think- Ireland, are, Ireland have been doing this for years. Ireland is a good place for, for business to go. And it strikes me that the, the countries with more power, shall we say, in the EU now aren't pleased. Yes. Oh, that is definitely a part of this. Definitely a part of this. And they were a bit unpleased at having to assure us that we could keep our tax regime to get us to vote for Lisbon. Because the Lisbon Treaty was rejected by Ireland the first go around. And then we were told to think carefully and do it again which is something that you guys may experience in the next few years. Uh, oh, I'm sure we will. <laughs> but yeah, so Ireland were told to be good boys and think about it again, and the Irish government said, well, only if you give us something. And what we were given was assurances that we would not be expected to give up our neutrality in terms of the military, so we would not have to join a European army, because Ireland has a long history of neutrality. And the other thing Ireland has a long history of is low corporate tax rates. So they're the two things we asked for. I believe we also asked for an assurance on abortion because we're Ireland. Um, but basically what we asked for assurances on were those things, and that's what we got. And then we dutifully, like good European citizens, voted in favour of Nice. Or, sorry, Lisbon. It seems to me that it would have been a lot easier, you know, if at some point someone had said, when, when they were thinking about um, this um, delaying of paying of tax... Hmm. Someone had said, "No, that's not a good idea. Let's not do that," because <laughs> this would be saved. It would have saved all this fuss later on. Well, it would, wouldn't it? Because instead of the money just resting in Ireland until the companies feel like repatriating it, they would just be repatriated immediately. They would get their tax credit for the Irish tax they'd paid, and that'd be that. I must admit, there were there were two 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 parts of. Um, the show notes that I read that made me think, um, um, oh, please. Uh, one of them was the um, the Apple letter, mm-hmm. uh, which opened with how they went into Ireland to help the poor old Irish people because they were in such a mess. And we had to go in and, and set up a business there, really, because, because well, it was the only the right thing to do. And that, that's certainly the tone of the, let, the start of the letter. Which well, Ireland have had a good relationship with Apple because when Apple were still a small company, before everyone knew they were going to be a success, yes. Ireland were in there first and basically saying, we'd like you to come here. And anyone who, it's like supporting a team before they make it to the premiership. I think there's a genuine affection in Apple because of the fact that Ireland were interested before they were big. Right, I see. It, I must admit, it did come across as... Uh, oh, it's very saccharine because... Nothing, the other... nothing to do with tax at all. It's all to do with helping out the poor Irish people. Yeah, that's... Bo- that's oh, excuse me, I can't say that word, but that's, <laughs> you know what I mean. That's crap. That's balderdash. That's balderdash. You balderdash, balderdash, yes. Yeah. I was going to say, yes. yes. Uh, and, oh. the, and the other thing was the... Um... Oh, I've forgotten completely what the other thing was. Never mind, come back to me. While you're thinking about that, I mean, it, just to go back on the um, the American bit, that, <laughs> just going through uh, some of those other, uh, the Bloomberg um, piece, mm-hmm. um, it's it obviously points out that uh, <laughs> it's not just Apple, um, mm-hmm. because in Netherlands and Luxembourg, they've uh, had a go at Starbucks um, and Fiat Chrysler. So, but that's Fiat Chrysler, so it's not, Chrysler isn't... Um, an American company anymore, but Amazon have been had a go at McDonald's have been had a go at. So yeah, this is where that, um, it's Europe having a go at American companies kicks in, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah. 
definitely. And I think it's, is it the Bloomberg article? One of the articles I was reading ends with the lovely line, and this is how trade wars start. <laughs> yes. Which is just what we need. Oh, uh, yes, I remember what the other thing was that made me go, please. Okay. Um, and that was uh, Apple saying, and anyway, we're going to repatriate some money back to the US next year. So there. Na, 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 na. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yes, but they won't They won't do it next year, uh, Nick, because, oh, well, they've appealed. And that's true. as the Bloomberg technology piece says right at the end, the appeal process could take as long as three or four years. Looks yeah. like we've got some reporting to do on this one. But... <laughs> we probably do. This is going to drag on. But actually, Gaz, I think... Precisely because the appeal is going to take too long, I actually think they will repatriate because it undermines the commission. It right. proves no, the point yeah. that this is not untaxed money. This is. Yeah. So you're now trying to tax money. us on. Yeah, you're now trying to tax us on what uh, tax on taxed money. Yeah, something we paid tax and, on. Yeah, you know, we told yeah, you this was it. deferred money, and look, we're paying our American taxes like good little boys. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think to it be will honest, the governments just need to sort themselves out. These are, I don't like to use the word loopholes, but they're, they're schemes that are there. If, if Europe don't like it, then change the rules instead yeah, the, of arguing like this. The issue, the issue is, though, Elaine, exactly the same thing happens in America with the states. They all, they all want to entice companies, and Apple are in the, exactly the same position in the states. Um, which is it, Arizona? Oh. One that where they were building, and then Delaware there was Delaware or something. Oh, well, Arizona gave them amazing tax breaks. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, Delaware what, what, is a state where loads and loads of companies are headquartered, and they have like a PO box. Yeah, but there's there's one state where they built that. I thought they built a factory, and now that oh, state has yes. has, has yeah. done something. And Apple are going, oh, hang on a minute, we North might Carolina. not invest now. Was it? That's it. That's it. So it happens all across the world, even down to states within countries. And it's all about getting businesses to put their plant, their manufacturing, their income into that. It's about employment. That's what it's about. Yeah, but Absolutely. Is- but once the once those things have been dealt with, you've got your factory, you've got your employees in there. Apple are saying that they've lived by the rules of the Irish government, which apparently they have. And then mm-hmm. Europe ride in and want to change that because it doesn't suit the whole of Europe. And what I'm saying is, you know, if, if you have said you can look after your own tax affairs, I just think it is ridiculous to then be throwing out numbers like this that can't possibly be based on anything because mm-hmm. it doesn't exist. They're not in charge of it. They just make themselves look stupid. Do you know, if, if this had come along before Brexit, it would have been a much bigger gap on the vote, I think. Mm. You think people would have Brexited more? Mm. Yeah, actually, they, of course they would. If you're right, you're, you're dead right. Because yeah. the first thing to happen after this happened was everyone going, "Ha ha! Well, let's set us, let's set Britain up as the new Ireland." And <laughs> neener. Yeah, it's yeah. But the thing is, it's hard, right? Getting a European-wide agreement on tax harmonisation is hard, really hard. Politicians and the Commission have wanted that for as long as I've been alive. Pretty much. That's, that, that's what they're going to call a federal Europe. That's what Britain right. certainly is always yeah. against. And the Irish are very, very strongly against that. And we still have a veto. Like Lisbon got rid of a lot of the European vetoes, but they didn't get rid of the veto on taxation. And this is a real backdoor. Like, uh, you know, actual diplomacy hasn't worked, so we'll do a backdoor. And to a large extent, the, I mean, the American tax system is in a great big mess as well because Congress can't agree. Everyone mm. agrees the tax system is broken. And that's where all agreement ceases. That's, it's wrong. No one can agree how to fix it, either in America or in Europe, or to some extent even in Ireland. I mean, Ireland has plenty of arguments about how, ta- how things should be taxed as well. Because you're looking back to the fact of when tax came in and what it was originally yeah. for. The world mm-hmm. has moved on, the system hasn't moved on, and neither has people's mindsets. Yeah, and this whole concept of a company being headquartered in America, having factories in one place, uh, in China, say, and having a sales department in Ireland and then something else in France and something else in Germany. I mean, where was that value generated? Well, everywhere. So who gets to tax it? Well, everyone can't. It's, mm. it's actually really difficult to, to figure out who should get to tax and then who should decide how much who should get to tax. It's, it's, it's really complicated, actually, because companies are bigger than governments, which is 
very much turning its head from the olden days. Exactly. They certainly have more power than governments. Yeah. So. I couldn't quite understand how, because near the beginning of what I read, mm-hmm. it said that tax should be paid in the country. It's, it's agreed that tax should be paid in the country where it's earned. Yes. Sorry. Yeah, where, 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 where the money is generated effectively. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not true. That's not strictly true for Ireland, is it? Ah, well, it all depends on what you mean by generated. So there's a whole bunch of ways this is done, right? So a classic way is to put all of your intellectual property into my widget company, Ireland Inc. Okay, so all of the brains, all of the patents, all of the, all of the intellectual property you put into the Irish holding company. You then right. lease the right to use that to your French subsidiary. And you lease the right to use that to your German subsidiary. And the price that you charge your French subsidiary for the right to use the technology happens to be not exactly, but very close to the price you charge French consumers. So maybe there's like, you know, a little 2 or 3% money over the top goes to France and they pay a little bit of tax in France to keep the French a little bit happy. But most of the money just passed clean through to the Irish subsidiary. So Ireland says, you know, Widgets Inc. Ireland says it costs you, f- you have to pay us €5 Euro for every widget you make. And they sell the widget for five fifty. Fifty cent goes to France. Five euro comes to Ireland. And this is how. So there's an awful lot of pharma here. So this is not just tech, right? There's an awful lot of pharma in Ireland, and pharma is great for that because you have all these patents and intellectual property and stuff. You see, it's at this point where, in my opinion, it, it moves across from being. I know it's legally correct. Yes, but that just sounds like cheating. <laughs> yes, yes, it does. Yeah, oh, I haven't mentioned morals. I, guess, because I don't even know where to begin. No, nor do I. I mean, I, some, I one I of said... the rules that they changed a while back was um, have you heard of Vatmos? Vatmos? Vatmos was a rule that was brought in. Originally, if I, if I supply something, um, a service or a product, and I'm supplying it out of England, then I would pay VAT here. So I would be responsible for my VAT here. So I would be VAT registered in the UK. Okay. And if somebody else was supplying out of France, they would be VAT registered in France. Yes. Now, there, that makes perfect sense, and it's logical in, in practical terms too. Because if I've got to fill in a VAT return, I would like that VAT return to be in English, or at least what passes <laughs> for English from Customs and Excise. Yes. They changed the rule 18 months ago. So as a small supplier, we're not talking Apple now, we're talking at the complete other end of the scale, mm-hmm. somebody who, who makes knitted tea cozies in their mm-hmm. kitchen and they're supplying to England and Belgium and Ireland. Mm-hmm. They is now this something have to you've be... not told us, hmm? is, is this a new industry you're setting up? Uh, no, luckily, luckily I'm not. <laughs> You'll realise why when I tell you the outcome. Um, every oh, right. country that you supply into... Mm-hmm. you have to be VAT registered for. So basically the whole of Europe. So when you put in a, a VAT return, you will have a little bit of that going off to Belgium and somewhere else going off to Italy and so forth. Every UK, you, you, every European country, you will now have to put in a VAT return for. And it's crippling small businesses, completely crippling. Well, there's also, You're looking at 26 VAT returns. There's also a problem that you, um, company, American companies now have to charge European citizens VAT. Yes, they do. So this hit me as, as Mr. Small Business um, because I was getting a lot of uh, hosting for web servers in the States. And all of a sudden, overnight, it went up by Ireland's exorbitant, at the time, 23% VAT. Yeah. Now, it's gone down very generously to 21%. I mean, it is horrific. Like, VAT is one of the most regressive taxes possible while we're, you know, skirting around morals. And Ireland heaps on the VAT. And one of the reasons that there is some debate within the government about all of this Apple shenanigans is because there are left-wing parties saying, why is it we have such insanely high VAT? Oh, yeah, because we don't tax corporations. We just let them come here and have, like, you know, pay very, very little tax. So maybe we should up our corporate tax rate to 14% and our VAT rate down. So that's one of the reasons that, you know, this vote in Parliament, I think it's on Thursday, is not a guarantee. But it's pretty likely because the two largest parties agreed. They're both capitalist parties, so it should go through. But there will be very vocal objections. 
from people who feel mm-hmm. that corporations are getting a free ride at the expense of the poor. Uh, one of our parties is called People Before Profit, and you can rest assured they will be arguing against supporting Apple. Sounds like it. Yes. So it's all it's all complicated and difficult. So this is this is chapter one, yes. page one. Yeah, we've had the prologue, First right? Paragraph. We, we've known this was coming for about a year or so, right? There's been rumours that this is coming for quite some time. So that was the prologue. This is now the book has now started, and this will continue, like like the Samsung case. I really do think you ought to keep uh, you ought to keep this somewhere just to see how many pages it goes into of reporting. Oh, <laughs> we'll be celebrating the tenth anniversary of the show, and we'll still be talking about this sodding story. <laughs> anyway, uh, anyone want to throw, in any, to, to throw in any final thoughts before I move us along? Yeah, could you just run through it quickly again so I can make sure I've got it covered? <laughs> Very quickly, guys. <laughs> Two letters. No. No. <laughs> okay, so the second the second of our quote-unquote main stories is perhaps in here as much for schadenfreude as anything else, but it is nonetheless highly significant. Uh, Samsung are sort of kind of recalling two and a half million Galaxy Note 7s because they sort of kind of have a habit of catching fire. Some people call it exploding. I would call it burning vigorously. Either way, not something I want my phone to do. And the reason I say sort of kind of of recall is because certainly in America, they have not filed the appropriate paperwork to make it an official recall, which means it's not a crime to continue selling these um, explodey phones in the US. And I guess this allows them from a PR point of view to say, no, no, it's not a recall. We're just giving everyone a new phone Um, and telling people not to buy them. So on the one hand... Eek for Samsung. This is a giant big bloody nose. Two and a half million devices. Their bill of materials has got to be significant. The price of administering a recall like this has got to be significant. Shipping, posting. The PR hit has got to be significant. The timing is awful just before Apple are probably about to release their new flagship phone. This couldn't kind of get any worse. On the other hand, I can't help but wonder... How much more the press would have exploded if this was Apple? Hmm. <laughs> because people have been doing some maths on it and basically looking at Google Trends and AntennaGate got more press than this. And it was feckin' nothing. So. I just think I, it's looking I, said- at, I think it's looking at a waterproof because at least you can throw <laughs> <laughs> Does water stop a chemical fire? No, no, probably not. But, you know, it's still funny. <laughs> um, actually, the, there was a couple of things that I heard today uh, on a radio program. It was a money radio, radio mm-hmm. program. And it said, actually, that it gets worse for um, for Samsung because apparently the head, and I'm not quite sure whether I can get this right. I was trying to find the comment. Mm-hmm. But basically the head said, oh, this is going to cost Samsung a lot of money. Missing the point that actually it's quite dangerous for people, you know. Yes, obviously, it is going to cost you a lot of money, sir. You know, yeah, think I, about the health and safety side of it first. I Make would a be really along nervous. Those lines. Like, what do you do if you own one of those devices? What do you do? Put it in the garden shed overnight? Like, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The but then there's, one I there's saw something actually exploded in somebody's pocket, didn't it? So there was a picture uh, of him in a hospital uh, with second degree burns. <laughs> so it's not just when it's charging that was uh, in his pocket right. so the, was, and there's some I, I, sorry um nick you go ahead I, I was just about to say that i was under the impression it only was while they were charging but obviously the story's moved on since then i believe it's mostly is the phrasing being used now so the majority do seem to happen when charging because if you think about it charging is particularly rough on a battery you're sort of forcing electrons the wrong way through the circuit sort of shoving them in there, and it all gets warm. And heat, obviously, is conducive to fire. And maybe mm. pockets are bad for the same reason, you know, for, for the same reason to a lesser extent, because my iPhone has never got as warm in my pocket as when it's charging, particularly if I charge it with the iPad charger. Um, so maybe, I don't know. But anyway, yeah, definitely, it, it, most people are having it happen when they charge it overnight, and they're leaving it on their desk, and luckily their desk isn't catching fire. 
but I heard someone on a podcast say, well, what if what if you use one of these apps to measure how you sleep and stuff and it's lying on your bed? Yeah. I'm sure if it had been Apple, Apple would have said straight away that we were charging it wrong. <laughs> I don't know. Tim Cook's Apple, I think, I think would have come no, up with it. Yeah. Would have no, they humble. would have been responsible about it. Yeah, I'm only kidding. It's not Apple. No, maps, but you're dead. Right? You, you are right, though, uh, Bart. I think the the media outburst would have been, well, volcanic. Yeah. yeah. And there, there's there there was one other thing that they they said is bad news for Samsung at the moment, which so it's kind of a, a a three hits and you're almost out process. They use a um, a certain. Um, they're in Taiwan, aren't they? Um, Samsung. Are they Taiwanese. Is that right? They might be. So. They might yeah, and there's a, a Taiwanese shipping company that actually ships 40% of Samsung products, which presumably includes the phones. Yeah. It is actually going into receivership at the moment. So it's actually holding all of its boats offshore because if it Ooh. lands any of the boats, they get held um, <laughs> to, to actually take the company. So they're actually trying to keep all the ships from going into port to collect stuff which is coming into them and also for delivering product and apparently 40% goes to this particular company so I should think that the, the Samsung VP at the moment is just going home and shaking his head, putting his hands in his head and just shaking because well, right, those ships may come into port quick enough if they're already full of Note 7s <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Oh, look, it's on the horizon. It's a steamer. Oh, maybe. Whoops. <laughs> anyway, let's not be too victorialic. <laughs> no, because let's face it, uh, Apple could at some point in its yeah, future yeah. have to. And battery technology, I'm trying to remember, It was, was it Sony batteries which were in a whole bunch of laptops were catching fire? And some yes. of those Sony lap batteries were in Apple laptops. Yep. Now, That's since right. then, yeah, Apple do their own that. batteries, and uh, that may be why that may be a contributing factor to why Apple went that route. And at the time, Apple didn't get too much slack because Dell were making more computers than Apple were, uh, and HP and all Ooh. the other names. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Makes me wonder how much research and money they put into the chargers and the cables, because. Sometimes you get a, a decent device and you look at the, the cable and the charge that comes with it and they're very poor. So maybe they're maybe the, the, about time that they reinvented that that side of it rather than concentrate on making it snazzy and flashy. Actually I make think, it Elaine, work. also the, the issue is that now companies, they're actually working to the very limits of all of the product's capabilities, aren't they? They're always pushing the products right to the very edge. Mm. So if it, it could only take perhaps one, you know, a combination of a few chargers which are putting too much uh, voltage or ampage through and some of those devices which have been pushed to the very limit uh, when it comes to soldering, to fittings, whatever it is, and those have been pushed over the edge. So although they're having to do a full recall... It actually, you know, it might now that's not to belittle it to those people that have one of those and it, you know, affects them or it, you know, it could be extremely dangerous. But because companies are actually pushing things to the very edge of the limits of all of the, um, the, the products, this is what possibly comes of it. And to, to your point, though, are they testing enough? Well, I'm thinking back to when I had um, the C drives. The drives themselves were absolutely fantastic, but the power supplies used to pop on a regular basis. And you looked at them and, you know, they were as light as a feather. You could tell they were cheap. And yet yeah. the drives weren't. Now, the first one that went, I assumed it was the drive. The second one went and I, I swapped the cable. No, it wasn't. It was these power supplies. And there was an industry on eBay selling replacement drive uh, power supplies because they had a custom end on them so it wasn't a case of just going out and buying something decent and spending sort of 40 50 pounds on it you know you had to buy one that fit the thing but mm. i i ended up with about eight drives and one working power supply oh. very very poor so that, on the so power supply side of it so that's where they were just trying to make the money yeah yeah. You can yeah, see, save a bit of money by just taking in a generic power supply and then shoving your custom end on it. You've probably saved a few pounds and it goes in your profit. But it just doesn't last. It works, yeah, apart from in this case, mm -hmm. if they're setting on fire. But the longevity is just not there. Yeah. 
But this is the, the question is, do you as a company see power as one of your core competencies or something you should ship out? Now, if you see it as a core competency, then you would obviously do your own R&D like Apple do. Whereas if you see it as something you can just subcontract out, well, then it just goes out to someone else and maybe you don't give it the care and attention it deserves. Fair enough. But when you think about Apple, just think about their cables. I've yet to see an Apple cable that's not frayed. Um, there's an industry in cables that don't fray. So Apple may be thinking about power and what they can do about that down the line, but the look well, okay. of it is more important to them than actually a workable cable. I'm going to disagree a bit. Now, if you run out, if you, right, I used to break Apple cables a lot by running over them with my office chair, which is <laughs> probably no cable can withstand that. But Apple do a very good job on designing their connectors. I mean, the MagSafe was a very well thought out, very good connector. The Lightning is actually a really nice connector. And also, they put a lot of effort into the other end. So, the with the foldable pins and stuff on the Apple Watch charger for the UK and Ireland, I mean, they do put a lot of time and effort into it. Oh, I agree with that. It's just the thin cable between the two. Instead of making it... I mean, I've got a keyboard that I paid about £130, £40 for, and the cable on it, you could run over it with an office chair several times. It would be fine. It's really thick. It's insulated. It's got rubber on the outside of that. It's great. You compare that to the old cable that you had on an Apple cabled keyboard, and it was just so thin. One incident yeah. and it's gone. So it's it's really the cable bit of it. They are good innovating at either end, but the actual cable and the sheathing of how it attaches to that, it. I personally have probably only had one that's frayed, but you know you see so many people hashtagging it on Twitter. It's like an industry, and in, and this is another Apple cable. I think they have a bad name for cables, and when there's incidents like this going around, I think they should think twice about that. And, and see that it is something that people will be more concerned about with down the line. Hmm. I guess, yeah, the, the bit between the plugs is certainly the weakest part of an Apple cable. It's I, it, The thinness may be to make them more portable and stuff. I've never had a keyboard go wrong on me because of the very thin little cable. Um, but I have had a MacBook have its charger go belly up because the cable frayed at the end where it touched the power block. I've seen one of those. Um, my other half has had one, and then they replaced it. Um, yeah, no questions asked. Sparks Mainly, though, it, it was charging cables for um, you yeah. know, the old 30-pin ones. It seemed to be those. And obviously what people are doing is they're coiling them up. Hmm. But you look on Amazon or eBay, and you will see, uh, particularly Kickstarter, there's some fantastic cables out there. You know, they don't, do the, they don't bend, they don't break, they don't this, they don't that. And they put them through all kinds of tests. And they can afford to sell them for sort of eight or nine pounds. If you go in Apple and you want a replacement cable, sometimes you're looking at 30. And it is robbery, given the quality oh, yeah. of it, oh, by yeah. comparison to uh, what you can get. It doesn't matter what the quality is. Apple charge too much for cables and Apple charge too much for dongles. Like, I do. You will never find me defending Apple's dongle pricing. And as the owner of a 12-inch MacBook, I know all about dongles because the world <laughs> is far too slow at getting onto this USB 3, USB-C bandwagon. Someday. Okay, the final of the big three stories that I have for this month is that Apple have announced on Twitter, I believe again, that they are going to make some changes to the app store, a bit of housekeeping. Um... Old and outdated apps are going to get cleaned up. If Apple find an app that doesn't work anymore because it's too old or that's basically abandonware, they will contact the developer, give them, I think it's 30 days to reply, and if they don't get a reply, they will throw them out of the app store, which should make it easier to find new good apps if all the old cruft is gone. And also they are putting limits on the length of app names because some app developers were using the app name field to try game the search system by putting descriptions into the title of their apps. And that's obviously you know, extracting the mixture eight and uh, Apple are putting an end to that particular practice as well. Any thoughts on this? It's shocking, isn't it, taking advantage of the rules to gain an advantage? Like, <laughs> I can't see how that ties back to previous conversations at all. <laughs> oh, dear. Yes, but they're setting the rules, Elaine. They are, and they're changing them to suit themselves as well. <laughs> <laughs> It is I think easier. it's probably about time they did that. It is. It really is. Um, it, it's good to see. I, 
Phil Taylor seems to be being more active in tweaking the app store than his predecessor was. It's not before time, though, is it? I mean, oh, no. I, I think, oh, please, trials, upgrades. Um, yeah. They are just at the moment tweaking around the edges. They really need a root and branch on this. Yeah, let's. I was well. WWDC gave us um, the subscription pricing and some big changes. So let's hope they keep thinking like that. Keep Even thinking. things like the search, though, it, it's not helpful. You, know, you mm-hmm. get one character wrong, and you're not going to find it. They they could do so much more with it, given that it's six years old this year. Yes, and should. Yeah. You've got to admit that some of the some of Apple's announcements, some of the cheering at it, quite often is cheering because. It's a sort of at last. Yeah. No, <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Thank goodness, as opposed to, oh, wow, I never thought of that. It's like, oh, I've only been saying that for 10 years. Yeah. Yes. At last. Hurrah. <laughs> okay. Um, before we wrap up, just a few quick stories to draw people's attention to. The um, much, much, much wanted new iOS remote app for controlling the newfangled Apple TVs came out this month. Apple have released their latest diversity report. It all seemed normal to me. I didn't think it was particularly newsworthy. It was what it was. Um, Apple will open a new R&D center in China before the end of the year. No surprises there. Intel license ARM so they can manufacture ARM chip for customers. That means Apple may have someone to replace Samsung with when they finally completely fall out with Samsung. Mm-hmm. Um and finally, Apple have unveiled a new two terabyte option for iCloud, priced at nineteen dollars and ninety nine cent per month. And finally, finally, tomorrow as we record this, Apple are having a big old shindig, and we'll probably find out about an iPhone seven on September seven. Meaning, your next monthly review could be quite long. Yeah, so next month's show is not going to have the problem this month's show had of finding interesting news that wasn't about the EU. I think, I think, I think we did quite a good job, though, to be honest with you. It was a fun show, and I thank you guys very much for it, because I was quite worried. <laughs> Until the commission went and threw the horrible grenade into the mix, I actually thought we were going to have difficulty getting a show together. And then I thought I wasn't going to enjoy the show. <laughs> but Until point. you knew it was us coming on. I'll be honest, Gav, oh, you lucky boy. I, I, I mean this as a compliment to you all, but I actually was pleased that we were going to have a light-hearted fun panel to talk about these stories. Because it, I, Yes, yeah. well, I, I, I'm looking forward to tomorrow's event, and um, I think uh, Elaine is as well. You're, I think you're doing something, aren't you, Elaine? Yes, we're doing our usual live chat while it's on. So uh, we, we relay it as, as audio only for people, you know, because it, it used to only work in Safari. Oh, and now uh, we have a good old chat while it's on. Well, do you and want to give it a URL then? Uh, yeah, we're at macbytes.co.uk slash live. Um, what makes me smile is I, I put together before we start a little list of what we think we'll see and what we'd like to see. And I look down the list and I think the stuff that's still there three four five <laughs> events on a new mac mini anybody oh, a new please. monitor <laughs> and please. we're still waiting uh add to that list uh updated what are we updated mac pro updated mac yep. book pro now yeah, the imac could do a little bit of tlc you want a little touch id sensor somewhere on the back of that um yeah lots of things we want but i think watch 2 is what has me most excited because i'm not buying a new iphone i just bought one of those a year ago uh, but a, a new watch, yeah, I'll, I'll go for that. My watch is one year old now. Seems about I right. I didn't buy the watch at all, so um, it would be my first watch, and I am in the market for one now. Well, I'll put it this way. I absolutely, positively adore it to bits. I've described it to people as inverse paper cuts. Lots of little things make you love it more and more and more. It's not one big fantastic feature. It's just lots of little nice things, and all those little nice things add up to the point that makes you happy. But... More responsive, more battery. Yes, please. I'll take those things. You know, I mean, it's nice and all, but I'll take better. I'll, I'll take version two. And the nice thing, actually, about the watch is because it's so new, there's lots of people in the family to hand it down to. So I can justify spending money on another one. So <laughs> oh, <soon>. justification's <laughs> always fabulous. <laughs> it's a, well, yeah, because now that the iPhone has been around for so long, that doesn't really work anymore. Oh, I must get the new iPhone so you can have one. Darling. Mm. <laughs> You know, one of the. Go on, Nick. uh, I was just going to say one of the problems with 
Apple building so many iconic devices um, from the watch through to the, the iMacs and the, it, it's, it's very difficult for them to go anywhere else um, mm. with redesign. You know, I sometimes think it, they're very nice, but when you think about it, iMacs haven't actually changed that much for years, many years. They've got a bit thinner on the edges, and but the design is pretty much there, and, and, and that's true for the iPhone. And the, if, you, if you come out with something that's really, really well designed to start with, yeah. it's really difficult to move on from that. But I don't think that's a bad thing, though. The, the iMac, I think, is the ultimate example of a mature product. Apple have got the formula. It works really well. They continue to keep it up to date, so it goes 5K and all those kind of cool things. But it doesn't need a flashy redesign. I mean, in fact, the more flashy they got with it, the worse that product got. Can anyone remember those bloody flowerpot iMacs? They were awful. <laughs> but there are times when, personally, I would like to see something a bit different. Yeah, but you see, different products will go through that life cycle. So the iPhone is starting to settle down now. This will probably be the third time we get the same industrial design on the device. But the yeah. watch is now where the big changes might be because that one hasn't settled down yet. That one hasn't had, what, the iMac is at least a decade, more than a decade probably. Nearly. I think I might have to shout at the television if uh, if if they get any thinner. The iMac? <laughs> I'd be afraid anything. Of shouting at the iPhone if it got any thinner. How could you possibly make it thinner? It would shatter. Anyway. No, no, I just, I, I just mean anything because it seems, it seems that it, it, as I've said before, it's some, somewhat of an obsession of Apple um, to make things thinner and thinner and thinner. Um, and I don't want them any thinner. I think they're thin enough now. You see, you always say that, but I remember thinking that about the the iPhone 3G or 3GS, can't remember which one I had. And I recently picked one up, and I was like, oh, my God, that's awful. How could I possibly have thought that was thin and light enough? But I, I, I bought a... Uh, I've told you this recently, that I bought an iPhone 6, mm-hmm. and I put a Mophie juice pack on it. So it feels like a 3G now. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually quite like the shape. Okay, uh, I, to I, each I their own. I really like ultra thinness but we'll see i expect it will be thinner i think if i could choose between thinness and a, and a better battery i would go for a better battery i think a lot of people would but i'm not sure apple are hearing that no really. i don't think they are mm, I, anyway that's we, we shall see what they have to offer and then we can talk about it in great detail next month so you, you see if you want to have this argument you're gonna to have to come back <laughs> nicely done bart <laughs> Somehow I think it'll be easier to get a panel together at the end of September when Apple have done lots of cool stuff. Oh, yes. I very much appreciate the fact that you guys were not on Labor Day and were happy to talk to me. Anyway, let us do the end of show stuff. So, um, Elaine, would you like to tell the good listeners where they can get more of your great content? They can find me at elainegiles.co.uk. I'm on Twitter at uh, twitter.com slash elainegiles. And you can find me on MacBytes at macbytes.co.uk. Thank you very much. Nick, any links you'd like to give out? Uh, you can find me very occasionally on uh, Twitter, at, uh, and it's Spligosh, S-P-L-I-G-O-S-H. Excellent. And uh, Gaz, would you like to plug your fine podcast on this lovely podcast network? Uh, yes, on this uh, lovely uh, podcast network, you can find um, a Guy and Gaz over at the MyMac podcast. Um, yes, on the Stoplight. Is that right? Stoplight? Stoplight Network. That's it. Yes, Guy and I have, uh, yes, an irrelevant look. That whole stuff. Yes. Whatever the verbal equivalent of a typo is, that is still my favourite on the planet. <laughs> Oh, dearie me. Okay, uh, folks, you can find detailed show notes at lets-talk.ie. And actually, I did put quite a lot of time into getting good notes together on this whole EU mess. So they are all over there at lets-talk.ie. While you're over there enjoying those nice show notes, you'll find three large blue buttons in the sidebar under the heading Support the Show. I very much appreciate it when people make use of those buttons. Um, There are three of them. So there's the obvious PayPal button. speaks for itself. There is the button to go to our Zasso store where you can buy T-shirts and things. And that kind of has the advantage that there's a commission. I think it's I think it's about $5 per item that goes to us. Uh, but then you're also a walking billboard for the shows, which is nice. So I appreciate that. 
Um, and then finally, probably the, the one that makes this show possible more than any other support the show button does is the one to Patreon or Patreon. Uh, patrons on Patreon pledge X amount per episode that actually gets out. It's shared between the photography and the Mac show, so it is exactly two shows every month that will be pledged against. And so you can pledge a dollar, you can pledge two dollars, whatever it is. It doesn't matter if the small dollar amounts because Patreon collects all the small dollar amounts up, puts them into one PayPal transaction that goes to me at the end of the month. And the great thing is that means that I don't get absolutely fleeced on the fees, which is exactly what happens if you give me two dollars via PayPal. Because basically PayPal will take 50 cent and I'll be left with $1.50. Whereas if you go to the Patreon route, PayPal get very little and I get much more of the money, which is great. And the other wonderful thing about Patreon is it's regular. It's regular income. So I have regular bills and I have regular Patreon money. And I'm hoping to get to a world where the two balance each other out perfectly. Uh, We're not quite there yet, but we're getting an awful lot closer than we were a year ago. So I really, really do appreciate everyone who supports the show on Patreon. Everyone who supports the show any other way as well, of course. And that also includes the non-financial support, which is just as important, like leaving reviews for us, telling your friends about us, and sending us feedback. It's all good stuff. So thank you very much to everyone who supports the show in any way whatsoever. I've been your host, Bart Bouchot, so you can find me at bartb.ie. And until next time, happy computing. Listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. On the MyMag.com podcast. And how could they contact you, Gaz? (laughs) (laughs) For those who don't speak parrot, that's Gaz at MyMag.com, G A Z at MyMag.com, and you can also reach him. On the Twitters at twitter.com forward slash gazmez, G A Z, M A Z. And we have a combined Twitter account, which is twitter.com forward slash guy and gaz, G U I A N D G A Z. And if, if you wanted to let Fearless Leader know that you don't speak parrot, you can let him know that by sending an email to feedback. At mymac.com, no Zed. You're listening to the G Men.